Welcome to An Honorable Profession, a podcast giving America hope since 2018. I'm Ryan Coonerty. Along with Debbie Cox Bolton of the New Deal, I'm lucky enough to be your co-host. An Honorable Profession is a New Deal Leaders podcast. The New Deal is an organization that supports the next generation of American leaders. From attorneys generals, to state senators, to mayors, to school board members, these are the people that are pushing policies and politics that will respond to climate change, rebuild our economy, address racial injustice, and restore our democracy. These are incredibly talented people who have dedicated themselves to public service when their country and their communities need it the most. Check out NewDealLeaders.org to see what I'm talking about. Today, we have a special episode of An Honorable Profession. We just heard from the Supreme Court that they've struck down 50 years of precedent by overturning Roe v. Wade. The fight now heads to the states. We thought it was important for you to hear from a local leader who's taking this on in the state of Ohio, where abortion rights will be a fundamental issue going forward in elections to come. We talked to Columbus City Council member Liz Brown. She's a dynamic and amazing local leader who's leading the charge to ensure women's rights in her community and across her state. She gives us ideas of what we can do next, how we can engage, and how we can support, especially those in red and purple states where the right to abortion will be very much under threat from today forward. Enjoy. Columbus Council Member Liz Brown, welcome to An Honorable Profession. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you for having me again. So I should say you were one of our first guests and we talked about these amazing initiatives that you were implementing in your city to increase sort of quality of life and economic opportunities for families. But now we're talking today under very different circumstances. We've just learned that the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade, and we thought it was important as now the fights go to the states to hear from somebody who is going to be right in the middle of those fights, both now and going forward. And so I want to thank you for taking the time to provide your perspective today. Thank you, Ryan. Honestly, it is good to have this outlet to speak with you about, I guess, what we may be able to do and what we're up against. As you said, we just got the news today and we'd already had this on our calendars. So I'm grateful for the attention that you're paying the issue even before we knew it would be today when we heard from SCOTUS. Absolutely. New Deal issued a statement this morning, Debbie Cox Bolton, our leader, and made clear that New Deal, as a forum of state and local leaders, is going to be committed to taking this fight to every state in the country on the ground to ensure choice and women's rights across the country. But I guess let's just start with your reaction. Many of us expected this because of the leak. But tell me just emotionally, how are you feeling today? Yeah, I'm feeling a lot of grief and I'm sick to my stomach and I have a lot of rage as well. I am a parent of three children. I have two daughters and the future looks bleak, really for all three of my kids, daughters or not, frankly, not just because of the Supreme Court's decision to actually take this right away, right? 50 years of precedent, but their action to do that demonstrates their conviction that they can act with impunity 
when it comes to our rights. And they can run roughshod over pretty established rights in this country. And really, I think in many ways, like reverse the narrative, the American narrative, which has been one of, we were imperfect from the start. We've never lived up to those founding principles, but we've tried to be better along the way because there have been progressives pushing for that progress. And today feels really bleak because I'm starting to question whether that's the American story. Yeah. I recently wrote an article about how I've come from Irish ancestry. And as Ireland is moving towards pretty dramatic progressive changes, seemingly in the opposite direction, and not surprisingly, their populace is happier, healthier, has more social capital, more faith in each other and their country. It's amazing to me that you know, a place that I didn't think would ever legalize abortion or same-sex marriage or divorce as aggressively moving in this direction. And it feels like the country that my ancestors came to for freedom is going in exactly the wrong direction on these and so many other issues. It feels like a little bit like the world's turned upside down. Absolutely. Well said, Ryan. So it's one thing to have this precedent And as you say, it's not only the idea of women losing their fundamental rights, but also the idea that the Supreme Court seems now willing to overturn established precedent for their political beliefs. And it's one thing for me in California, but it's an entirely different thing for you in Ohio. Can you talk about what your experience has been in Ohio and what do you see in the near and medium term for your state? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a particularly sobering day to be an Ohioan. Ohio is not one of the states who had a pre-73 abortion ban on the books. So that immediacy was not there when the decision came out. However, the legislature did pass and the governor did sign a six-week abortion ban, which had been tied up in federal court because of the protections of Roe. And within hours of the decision coming out, the ultra-conservative Republican Attorney General Dave Yost filed a motion in federal court essentially to dissolve the injunction against the six-week ban and because it was based on those precedents, the precedent of Roe. So we know that that's imminent, and we know that a six-week ban is uh, tantamount to a total abortion ban. However, we also know the General Assembly will not stop there. The governor, Mike DeWine, has said he will go as far as absolutely possible. And there's been a trigger ban introduced in the legislature. And we fully expect at the state level, once the legislature is back in session for a total abortion ban to be passed, probably swiftly. Ohio is, our legislature is gerrymandered beyond recognition to most Ohio residents. We are, you know, a purplish pink state, but we have two thirds majority Republicans in each chamber of the legislature. So can you talk about what that means for women in Columbus? Like we have all these broad terms and legislative terms, but like on the ground, what do you think this means for the women you represent? Yeah. First and foremost, I would step back and say, you know, as a parent myself, one of the most important life decisions we will ever make is whether to become a parent. I mean, truly, that is a life altering decision. And as a person who has been pregnant, I believe that only more so. 
We have to trust people to make decisions that are best for their own lives as well as their own bodies because carrying a pregnancy to term and having a child, having a baby is absolutely life altering. And women can't truly be equal if they don't have control over that decision, over their own body and the pregnancy, but including the decision about becoming a parent and whether to have an abortion. So as a lawmaker, it's my job to trust women to see that they're treated fairly and equally, no matter where they live. And I, right now, for people in Columbus who may need an abortion, it is a scary time because of what we outlined going on in the legislature. I will say that the only silver lining is we do have a statewide abortion fund called Women Have Options. They are dedicated to preserving the option of abortion for all Ohioans who need it. And I'll just add, let's not kid ourselves that just because the Ohio legislature may ban abortions that won't stop people from needing to access them and well-resourced or higher income, wealthy women seeking abortions will still be able to get them, whether by crossing state lines or by medication abortions. And those options we will immediately be living in a very haves and have nots world. Women have options, a statewide abortion fund like they are. So this applies to other states too. They will be really the only thing helping to preserve that same access that wealthy, well-resourced women have to all women, essentially, regardless of whether you have the hundreds of dollars it may take to seek that abortion care. And that was my question is, so as you said, it's going to be bleak at the state level. Are there actions that you can take at the city level to help? And then also advice for those of us who are in blue states and want to help, as you say, likely those without privilege and means who this will primarily impact, how we help support those efforts. Anyone in the nation, and I think especially those in states where abortion will remain legal, should donate to you know, whatever they can, right? Everyone has some, whether it's $5 or 500, you can go to abortionfunds.org. And that is a place where you can make a donation to an abortion fund in a state that does not have those legal protections for people seeking abortions. And abortion funds in various states are laser focused on making sure that people in their state have that access and making it possible again, whether it's through medication, abortion, or crossing state lines. That's one thing I would say to counsel others. From the local perspective, so I've already, (laughs) as you would expect, Ryan, I've already started looking at what we may be able to do on the local level to help protect access in Columbus depressing to say there's not a lot we can do to override state action just in terms of the legal landscape. If I don't want to presuppose what their bill may look like, but you know, most likely they're going to do something that bans abortion outright and makes it some kind of felony, right? Whether it's the person who's had the abortion who committed the felony and is subject to the jail time, or whether it's the doctor who performed it, I don't know. I don't know whether it will be one of these vigilante laws. I just don't know. But likely they're going to classify it as a felony. And so the problem with that is 
for example, we did something in Columbus where we looked at marijuana possession and the state has laws around marijuana possession. Those are misdemeanors. The city has jurisdiction over misdemeanors. So the city could basically reclassify, create an additional city misdemeanor about marijuana possession and direct our law enforcement to enforce the city version which is, you know, like a $20 fine or something. And that was how we, quote, decriminalized low-level marijuana possession in Columbus. The potential problem with doing that for seeking abortions is that the state will likely make it a felony. I am pursuing what that looks like. I know that in Austin, Texas, some members of their council have introduced various measures to decriminalize abortion on the local level. And so we are going to leave no stone unturned in seeking those kind of answers. I just have no doubt knowing you that (laughs) this is not going to happen without an epic fight. Well, thank you, Ryan. I I guess the last thing I wanted to say on it is that the assault on abortion rights didn't happen today for the first time. When John Kasich was elected governor in 2010, we had 15 abortion clinics in Ohio. The day he left office, we had eight. So the state has been assaulting a woman's right to abortion care for quite some time in Ohio. It is the norm. We are ready for this fight and accustomed to this fight. And because of that, when I took office in 2016, I prioritized some of what was on the agenda of pro-choice activists, right? Like they understood better than any of us exactly what the state was inflicting on the right to seek abortion. And so we listened and we worked on a few ordinances in the following years. In 2016, we passed a law essentially to crack down on the harassment outside of abortion clinics. So when women were seeking care at a clinic and were subject to that harassment, or when clinic workers were simply trying to show up to work and were subject to that harassment, we put an ordinance into place that beefed up protections for them. So we did that in 2016. And then in just last year, we actually updated our non-discrimination ordinance here in Columbus, which is employment non-discrimination, housing non-discrimination, to include protections for reproductive health choices. And that includes abortions. So a person, if they seek an abortion, cannot be fired for that decision. And that is even more important now because Ohio could make it illegal to have one, right? So then think about a person who's thinking to themselves, I really need this abortion care. I have to go outside the system to get it. What will happen to me if I do? Can I get fired? Among a whole bunch of other things to consider in life, of course. But that pretty fundamental question, we've already put protections into our local non-discrimination ordinance surrounding that. So we've taken some steps so far anticipating this decision. And you're right, we're not going to leave any stone unturned in trying to figure out what more steps we can take. I mean, you talked about the structural disadvantage that comes from extreme gerrymandering in Ohio and so many other states. But do you sense that this will be a turning point issue that could overwhelm some of that structural advantage that the Republicans have set up to allow for more balanced legislature or governorship? I sure as hell hope so, Ryan. I mean, my focus, my focus this year is electing Nan Whaley as governor of Ohio. Staunchly pro-choice, will defend our rights, and Mike DeWine could not be more opposite. That is the best way, I will say, that we wage this fight 
to preserve abortion access is by focusing our efforts on electing Nan Whaley. And I say that because the legislature has again passed an extremely gerrymandered new map coming off of the last census. And so the deck is stacked yet again for November when it comes to legislative races. I'm hopeful about our ability to articulate what's at stake And for the majority of Ohioans who do believe that Roe should be the law of the land and don't believe in the six-week abortion ban or the total abortion ban, Ohioans are against that. And if we can articulate that message better and get better legislators elected who more align with Ohioans' values, I'm hopeful. I think the maps would prevent us from taking a majority in the General Assembly at this juncture. But I do think that this is a salient issue for voters this year, and we have to be strong and loud about it and get Nan Whaley into office. Absolutely. And for those listening who may not follow Ohio politics as closely, Nan Whaley, New Deal leader, former mayor of Dayton, who has been a guest on this podcast and would be an extraordinary leader in so many ways, not just on the issue of choice, but on the issue on guns and economic opportunity and every other challenge this country faces that Ohio is sort of a crucible as a swing state in addressing. Absolutely. Here, here. (laughs) (laughs) So as we close out, we're all angry. We're all frustrated. What's your advice for people who are listening who may not be in elected office, but maybe mobilized and want to get involved, want to have hope, want to engage in the system that they're so frustrated by right now. Do you have any advice for our listeners who are maybe teed up and ready to go? Yeah. I mean, I guess one of my pieces of advice is not to be timid about this. Like this is outrageous and we are outraged and we can act outraged because outrage is helpful in prompting action. And I don't know about you, Ryan, but I feel like growing up, abortion was one of those things that like we weren't supposed to talk about. In government class, we were allowed to debate issues. They like to do, you know, mock debates and things like that, but they never talked about abortion. That was never an issue that we were sort of like allowed to debate because it seemed like some kind of third rail and like icky and something we shouldn't talk about. And we need to own how important abortion is to women living full and equal lives in our society. We should not be ashamed of that. Many women have abortion stories. If you feel comfortable telling yours, I do think that that's an important part of, I'm not saying you've got to get on Twitter and and publish it and go viral. You can if you want, but talking to people in your life about what abortion care has meant for you, if you're able to, I think that that's pretty important. So there is some of this just like, for lack of a better cliche, talking about around the water cooler or in your faith community. Faith calls us to support the right of people to consult their conscience as they make decisions about pregnancy and parenting, and that these are decisions and that we have full decision-making and autonomy. There's a place for that in our faith circles too. So I would just encourage people to talk about this in their individual circles. And then in terms of larger action and public action, find the pro-choice candidates who are running for office this year, do what you can to support them because we need structural change We absolutely have to have structural change to possibly make a federal law, you know, pass a federal law to guarantee access to abortion or to preserve it in our own states. And in the meantime, we started the conversation with this, Ryan, but I would call out again, abortionfunds.org. 
women need abortions today. They will need them tomorrow and fewer and fewer of them will have an ability to get them without kind of all of us helping to ensure equitable access still. I couldn't agree more. And also, even if choice is not your issue, be ready to fight on this because as we mentioned, this is the beginning of a Supreme Court and legislators pushing boundaries and undoing hard-earned rights. And I think it's important to send a message that it's, it's not supported and that there's a political price to pay when you undo fundamental rights of Americans that we've worked hard to establish over all these years. It's really scary. Thank you for saying that, Ryan, because I think it's such an important part of this discussion that the Dobbs decision is about the willingness of the Supreme Court to take away rights. That should be fundamentally un-American. Absolutely. Councilmember Liz Brown, thank you for being in the fight, for leading the fight. I hope to have you back on under better circumstances. We can talk about your efforts to champion family medical leave and other really important activities that you're engaging in across in your city and across Ohio. I really appreciate getting your perspective on this dark day. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for listening to An Honorable Profession. Please subscribe to hear more amazing leaders and keep asking your elected officials to be honorable. Boots Row Group produces podcasts. I'm Ryan Coonerty, and because we keep things honorable, no tax dollars were used in the making of this podcast.